This day is the single most important day of our faith, right? I told somebody this morning, if you can't get excited about Resurrection Sunday, you should just quit. You just be, go home, get out of here. This, this is it, the, the grand moment. Every Sunday is a, is a resurrection day of sorts. We changed the worship day to Sunday in honor of the resurrection, but there's something really powerful and special about the day that God's people gather and remember that first Easter morning. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are many in our day who would say that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. There are some, some out there who think that he was a wonderful moral example, that Christ himself was a, a political revolutionary, that he was changing generations, centuries-old practices of uh, patriarchy, that he was lifting the plight of the oppressed, that he was doing revolutionary work, but I mean, but a Messiah, I mean, a risen king rose from the dead. There are some who would tell you today that he was a historical figure and he did great things, but he didn't actually do this one thing that distinguishes him from everybody else. And in that sense, we are not much different than a group of people in the Bible. And that may, that may come as a surprise to you. Sometimes we think that we are so far off from the pages of the scriptures that, that the people we read about, they don't know what real life is like for us and vice versa. But in 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to find out this morning that there, there was a movement growing among, among a, a group of believers. And these teachers were telling the church of God that Jesus himself had not yet risen from the dead. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 12, and I'm going to read to verse 22. And then we're going to just make a few observations about that passage this morning. You can follow along behind me. Here's what Paul says. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Let's pray. Lord, we have gathered today in your name as your people to celebrate this most glorious day, the day when death was defeated the day when our enemy was triumphed over, the day that you made a spectacle over all the forces of darkness. And we are gathered here today to seek a new perspective on the resurrection and what it means for us today. Open our minds and our hearts today. I pray for those in the room who are still a little bit on the fence about all this Easter stuff. I pray that today would be a day of great awakening for them. That by the power of your spirit, you would open their minds and their hearts that you'd quicken them and make them alive together with you. And Lord, I pray that you would stir us today as we focus on the resurrection to love, to worship, to good deeds. God, God speak to us today. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so like we said, there was a group of people in the Corinthian church 
And they were teaching that Jesus hadn't risen from the dead because they were teaching that the resurrection wasn't even a thing. The people just don't come back from the dead. And what they were doing then, they were casting doubt on the empty tomb. That's the first point that we're going to look at this morning, that, that they were casting doubt on the empty tomb. And what they were saying then was that there is no resurrection, that blessed hope that we all share in Christ, that one day we will be risen from the dead, raised to walk in eternal life, in the abundant goodness of Jesus, that blessed hope that the death is not, death is not our final resting place. They were saying that that's not true. That Christians who have died in the Lord, who have, who have fallen asleep, that, that those people who have fallen asleep, they didn't pass on to some other life, they just simply ceased to be. They just stopped breathing. There is no real hope of anything next. There's no hope of eternal life. They're simply sleeping. And that's not a very unpopular opinion today, is it? There are many today who would teach us that this life is all there is. And at the end, we simply drift off into the netherworld. But there's something in us. Eternity is written in our hearts, God says. There's something in us that just doesn't sit well with that. That idea just doesn't resonate with who we are in the image of God as human beings. And we know deep within us that's not the real story. So as Paul seeks to help the Corinthian church sort out some of these areas of confusion and disagreement, he instantly recognizes that this conversation is of primary importance. Because when Corinthian believers are casting doubt on the resurrection of those who have died in the Lord, saying that resurrection isn't even a thing, then they are also casting doubt on the resurrection of Jesus himself. Because his death as our substitute was the triumph over all of our enemies, death being the final enemy. So just like we see in verse 13, he says, look, if there's no resurrection from the dead... If that doesn't happen at all for anybody ever, then Jesus himself wasn't resurrected from the dead. And that's not too far-fetched a position. A lot of people we respect, a lot of people we love, a lot of people have an affection for, even an admiration of Jesus, but they don't really believe that on the third day the tomb was empty and he was gone. A lot of people who would consider themselves Christians because they seek to live a life that Christ would be pleased with. They seek to honor him as best they can, but they don't actually believe that he's alive today. They struggle with that risen Jesus. So Paul says, as you're casting doubt on the resurrection of the believers, you're also casting doubt on the empty tomb. And then he asks this question, or he implies this question, our second point this morning, what's at stake here? So what? Like, what, what if? What if they're right? What if there is no real resurrection? Jesus was still a good guy. He still taught us to honor our parents. He still taught us not to kill, not to commit adultery. He still taught us to love our neighbor as ourselves. He was a, a meek and mild servant-oriented person. So what if he's not alive today? Does any of that really matter? We can still follow him, right? And the answer... And that question is that it matters immensely whether or not he's alive today. In fact, it couldn't matter more. C.S. Lewis told us 
He's either a lunatic, he's a liar, or he's the Lord. This means a whole lot. See, if Christ isn't raised, let's, let's just tease this out a little bit, Paul says. If Christ isn't raised, well then, a number of things are true. And he says in verse 14 that our preaching is in vain. Our proclamation, our teaching, our, our delivery of this message is all in vain. It's all for nothing. And what does that mean? It means that it doesn't accomplish what we say it accomplishes. And what is it that we say preaching accomplishes? We say that preaching accomplishes the sanctification of the church, that it is through the preaching of the gospel that hearts are made alive, that people are, are awakened to the reality that Jesus is the Messiah. It is through the preaching of the gospel that people are saved from eternal damnation in hell and are rescued in from their sins and adopted into the family of God. It is through the preaching of the gospel that all that is happening. And Paul says, if Jesus isn't raised, then our preaching doesn't do what it says or what we say it does. It might make us laugh. It might teach us a few things from time to time, but it surely doesn't change our hearts. It doesn't transform our souls. It doesn't make us one with God again. It's all in vain. Not only that, your faith is in vain. Your faith in that message you heard doesn't actually do what you claim it does. And what is it that we claim faith does? We claim that we are saved by God's grace through faith, that it is the means by which we receive the gift of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We, we say that faith is our victory, that through faith we are counted righteous before God, that our sin is forgiven and washed away, not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by God's mercy, and we receive that mercy through faith. Paul says, if Jesus is still in the tomb, your faith has not delivered to you what you claim it has. It has not made you righteous. Not only that, we're lying. We're misrepresenting God. Well, how? Well, because the heartbeat of the apostles, and Paul was an apostle who was untimely born, but the heartbeat of all the apostles was an empty tomb. And if if the tomb wasn't really empty and they showed up that first day and he was there and they just lied about it, then we have been misrepresenting God. We have been telling his people something that is not true. They have been preaching that Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 in the first three or four verses of this book, of this chapter, that is the essential gospel, that he was buried, rose again the third day according to the scriptures. If they're right, if there's no resurrection, then we've all been lying. And all of us who have preached from that day until now are misrepresenting God. If the tomb is still occupied, if Jesus is not alive, if he's not raised from the dead, verse 17, your faith is futile. And just in case you didn't catch this, you are still in your sins, he says. You're still in your sins. You say, wait, hold on a second. How can that be? If Jesus bled and died on the cross to be a, pen, a, a covering for my sins, then how can I still be in my sins even if he's dead? Well, the reason is, right? In the same way that the Old Testament sacrifices taught us that the blood of bulls and goats can never finally wash away sin, it can just satisfy it for a little bit. 
If Jesus is still in the grave, then the payment and penalty of sin was stronger than him. The wages of sin is death, right? That's the payment and penalty for sin. And if Jesus took our sin in his body, which he did, died as a sacrifice, as a substitute for you and I, and and the, the stain of guilt and punishment was too much for him to overcome, then you and I have some problems. He was the best shot we had. He was the only hope that we had. And if he was perfect and righteous and never sinned, and if he couldn't defeat the stain of guilt and shame, then you and I have no hope. And if he's still dead somewhere, then that means that sin has defeated him. And who are we? Who are we? This is more than just a small point because if his best efforts were not enough to overcome, then my friends, you and I have absolutely no hope. And he says, you're futile. You're still in your sins and the sleepers have simply perished. This is hopeless. All those who die in Christ, they simply stop breathing and they're done. They, they have died in faith believing the gospel. They, they believed in a lie. If there's no resurrection, they just drift off to sleep. They expire. They are no more. They close their eyes and that's it. They don't open their, li- they don't open their eyes to new life in the presence of Jesus. Not like, not like the Bible teaches us. That to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. No, if Christ is still in the tomb, if he has been defeated, then all of that, all that's a lie. Verse 19, if that's true, if Jesus is still in the tomb, then you and I and all those who claim the name of Christ are most to be pitied because we have wasted our lives on a lie. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, if we've built our entire existence on this false information, then we are to be pitied most among all men because we just bought the greatest hoax of all time. If there is no resurrection, there's much at stake. And if we're wrong about the resurrection, then all those things that Paul just mentions are indeed true about us if there is no resurrection. But what if there is? What, what if the tomb is indeed empty today like it was that first day? And what if the stone has been rolled away? And what if Jesus, the Messiah who predicted his own death and resurrection, actually fulfilled with precise detail and came back to life? What if he indeed, indeed, it did indeed triumph over sin, death, hell, and the grave? And what if you could travel this morning back to that garden tomb and to peer into it like Mary and the other women, like John and Peter that first resurrection morning? And what if we could see that he has not stayed in the tomb, but he has risen just as he said? If we're right, does that change anything? And the answer is yes, of course, it changes everything. It changes everything. Who else in all of history predicted his own death and resurrection and then fulfilled it? This changes everything. Verse 20 through 22, he says, but in fact, in fact, in fact, Christ has been raised. The tomb is empty today. Many of you have seen it. 
Some of you traveled to the Holy Land. I saw your pictures on Facebook this morning with your snarky comments. Yep, he's still not here. I looked in, still empty. Some of you have seen with your own eyes that the tomb is empty, just like Mary and the women, just like Peter and John that morning. The tomb is empty. Jesus is the first fruits of those who have died, the Bible says. He's the first fruits. What is that? That's a word we don't use very often. The Jews were commanded in the Old Testament to bring the first of their offering, the first fruits of the harvest. A small sheaf was brought before the Lord in the temple and given to him and offered to him and sacrificed to him. And he received the offering and in a sense consecrated the rest of the harvest so that what came to him at first was received and blessed and then extended, that blessing was extended to the rest of the harvest. And Jesus says, or Paul says about Jesus, that in his resurrection, he was the first fruits. He was the first fruits of the dead. He was the first to be brought before the Lord in this way, and through his offering of himself, that same blessing that is extended to him is now extended to all who follow him. And what was that blessing? Victory and triumph over death and the grave. He, the tomb is empty. He is alive. And you and I, because of, the, because of the merit of that first fruits offering, through faith, we can experience all those blessings that he experienced as well. It changes everything. And just so we're clear, all those things that Paul said would be true if there was no resurrection, the converse is actually true because there is a resurrection. And in fact, the resurrection of Jesus is one of the most historically verifiable facts in all of human history. Eyewitness accounts, historical record. You, you have to come up, you have to do a whole lot of, of uh, scholastic gymnastics to try to figure out what exactly, what, what they did with the body. But the, the clear evidence of everybody who was around at that time is that on that first day, that first Easter Sunday morning, the tube was empty. It changes everything. So what does that mean? That means that our preaching isn't in vain, that there is power in the word of God and in its proclamation. Not in the preacher, but in the words of God being proclaimed over the congregation. There is power there that, that according to the scriptures, the church is sanctified and washed by the water of the word of God as it is proclaimed and taught to them. That through the preaching of the gospel, people hear and repent. Remember, how can they believe unless somebody is preaching to them? How will they hear unless somebody brings the message? It is through the preaching of the gospel that people's hearts are made alive. Our preaching is not in vain. In fact, it is quite effective. And around the room this morning, we could give testimony of how the preaching of the gospel changed our hearts and opened our eyes to the reality of the empty tomb and who Jesus is. Our faith then isn't in vain. No, for us, our faith is the victory. Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. It's not in vain. It's the foundation upon which we stand in this world. Some have said it's a crutch. No, it's an anchor, not a crutch. It doesn't prop me up. It holds me down so I don't drift away. We bear witness to the truth. We're not misrepresenting God. We're not telling lies about God. In fact, we are awakening people to the reality of who God is. 
trying to cut through the lies in the darkness to help them see the truth of God's grace and mercy in an empty tomb. Sin is no longer our master because Jesus defeated sin for us. And as he entered the Holy of Holies and offered for us himself as the sacrifice, the lamb without spot or blemish, he absorbs in his broken body the wrath of God and we go free. He takes sin and death and he gives us righteousness and life. And because of that, we are no longer bound and chained in sin, but instead he has set us free. And if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed, free from the bondage, free from slavery, free from guilt, and free from shame this morning. Over your past and decisions you've made, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. All things are passed away. All of it is gone. And in Christ, you can be made new. And part of that means you can be made new and be freed from the shame and the guilt that the enemy tries to pour on top of you. I can't tell you how many Christians I've met who are stunted in their growth and they're, they can't take steps forward because they can't forgive themselves for things that happened in their past. And that's the enemy reminding you that shame is stronger than the gospel. That's the enemy reminding you that your past sin is stronger than Jesus. And the scriptures teach us that that's not true. The empty tomb teaches us that Jesus is stronger than all of our guilt, all of our sin, all of our wickedness and rebellion, our sin and our shame. And if that's you this morning, find freedom in him. Release yourself from that burden and turn to him. No, sin is no longer our master. We are free from all of that. And the sleepers are not just asleep in Christ. No, they will one day rise again. Those great saints of God who have died in faith, the heroes of our faith, the champions of the church in every generation from the first day until now, all those godly loved ones that we have said goodbye to, all of them are not sleeping. They didn't simply perish. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the statement of that authenticity is the empty tomb itself. We can take that to the bank because the empty tomb stands as the exclamation point that the gospel is still powerful and effective. And we are not pitiful. Not for those reasons. You might have some other reasons. Your, your choice of a favorite sports team might be suspect. You could be pitied for that. Say amen, Jets fans. I know you're out there, right? It takes a long time, right? So... We're not pitied for that reason. We, we're not pitied because we bought into a hoax. No, no, we, we have not been deceived. In fact, we've had our dark, hardened hearts illuminated to the truth of God's word. We've had our, our hearts of stone softened and made living again. We have been blessed and chosen and adopted into God's family through our faith in Christ, not by any merit of our own, but because of his mercy, God has lavished on us every gift in the heavenly places. We are children of light, not of darkness. We are more than conquerors. We are ambassadors and proclaimers of truth. We are not to, don't feel bad for me. I don't feel bad for you. We are not to be pitied. What a gift that God in his mercy has opened our eyes and given us the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now, our convictions and our zeal, our love, they may, be, they may be seen as eccentric, a little misguided, but the empty tomb stands today as exhibit A that our faith is not in vain. It is the anchor that keeps our soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. 
Like that old hymn said, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. The empty tomb is for us the anchor. My friends, there's much at stake this Resurrection Sunday. And while there are many theories surrounding what actually happened that first Easter morning, this much we know is true. Jesus told his disciples in advance that he would be delivered up to die and would rise again. Regardless of whether or not they understood it, he said it and it's recorded for us. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, just like the Bible teaches us and like history supports, and he was buried. And on that third day, that first Resurrection Sunday morning, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. What you make of that changes the rest of your life. What you do with that historical information changes everything for you. And what does all that mean? It means this. The tomb is empty. That means Jesus is alive. That means we have a message to tell. So what? So what? How does that story from thousands, and some of you are like, look, I come to church every Easter with my mom. She makes me all the time. I have heard a guy just like you yell and scream about this for 35 years. This is no big deal to me. Hang on. Just, just stay with me for one moment here. What does all that mean to you today? Well, if you're a Christian here this morning, it means first and foremost that your only hope in Christ was the power of that resurrection. The new life that we've experienced in Jesus, new power over sin, new life and new desires, new passions and zeal, new, new understanding and perspective, that doesn't come from you. I hope you know that this morning. You don't just with your own diligence and white knuckles make all that happen. God in his mercy gives it to you and the power of the resurrection is your power for new life. And second, that means if you're a Christian, it means that the power of the risen Jesus provides you power over sin and temptation. He has empowered us to live holy lives through the power of the empty tomb. And that symbol, that tomb is a symbol and a focal point of our hope. We live because he lives. Death will not defeat nor destroy us. The grave will not be the final resting place for Christians because we are in him and his new life is our new life. Christian, then that means we rejoice today. That's what it means if you're here and you're a Christian. You rejoice that the Lord is risen and with his rising he's given you hope and power and has declared you righteous before God. But what if you're here today and you're not? What if you're here this morning and you're here with a friend, you're here with a family member, you just walked in off the street because you saw a ruckus and didn't know what was happening? What about you? What does it all mean for you? I just want you to hear me say it one more time, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In that, in that Christmas story that we celebrate, that little baby in the manger was the son of God given to us. John called him the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ, the son of God, came and lived a perfect and sinless life, never once yielding himself to temptation, facing it just like you and me, yet never giving in to temptation. And he offered himself on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin. He died, was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. 
and in his rising defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave and secured righteousness for all who would believe. And if you're here today and you have never trusted Christ for your salvation, what better day is there than Easter Sunday for you to experience the new life that God has for you? And you might say, okay, Matt, so how do I do that? Do I have to sign up for a class? Do I have to fill out a card? I got great news. No. You don't have to do any of that. In fact, Jesus did all the heavy lifting. You receive that gift through faith. What does that mean? That means you. Faith is believing God, hearing him at his word, and acting accordingly. You hear this gospel message. You agree because the spirit is affirming in your heart that what he's saying is true. That Jesus is who he says he was, the sinless son of God. That he did what he said he did. He died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day. And now I'm going to act according in the best way you know how. The Bible says that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Is it really that simple? Yes. It's that simple. And everybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from guilt, saved from their sin, saved from punishment in hell, saved from the shame of their past. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, where can I do that? Right in the quietness of your seat, right in your heart. Why not today? This Easter Sunday, this New Life Sunday, this resurrection, why not today? Why not today? If we had to summarize all of it this morning, here it is. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. We have a story to tell. How can they hear unless somebody is preaching to them? How can they believe in the one they've never heard? Friends, the church of Jesus, we are salt and light, a city on a hill. We have been sent out into the highways and the hedges to compel them to come in. So go today carrying the light. Go with that message, that story to tell. And go with the joy of the resurrected king in your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for the empty tomb and the new life we have in Christ Thank you for what you've done in our hearts through faith. Lord, I pray that the resurrection, the empty tomb, would stir us this morning again, would give us new zeal and new passion, new excitement to share the gospel with our neighbors and friends. Lord, I pray that you would spur us on to endurance and perseverance. Lord, I pray for those in the room who have never trusted you, that maybe in this moment, this would be their day of salvation. Lord, just like, just like I did as a teenager, maybe... Maybe today, God, they would cry out to you with a simple prayer. Oh God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus is who he says he is. I believe everything that guy just said, that he died for my sins, that he was buried, he rose again. In the best way I know how, I offer my life to you. I ask for your forgiveness. I, I turn to you in faith. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Dwell inside of me and protect me and lead me. In Jesus' name. God, we thank you for what you're doing here. We thank you for those who will turn to Christ. We thank you for those who have turned to Christ. We thank you for the empty tomb and the new life it is for us. As we continue to worship you today and to sing about your resurrection, I pray that your spirit would be alive and moving here in our hearts, that you would bind our church together, unite us together with this one central theme, that we serve a risen Savior, and that he's in the world today ask us how we know he lives. He lives within our hearts. 
we have tasted and we've seen that you are good. Lord, let your goodness guide us, draw us to your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us, we'll continue to sing.